We have the amazing blessing of reading God's Word again today. Please open your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 9. Second Samuel chapter 9, beginning at verse 1. And David said, Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I might show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and they called him David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, Is there still someone of the house of Saul that I might show the kindness of God to him? Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. The king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, He is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, at Lodabar. Then king David sent and brought him from the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, at Lodabar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan, and I will restore to you all the land of Saul your father, and you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, What is your servant that you should regard for a dead dog such as I? Then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, All that belonged to Saul and to all his house I have given to your master's grandson. And you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him, and shall bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, uh, your, oh, I'm sorry. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, According to all that my lord the king commands his servant, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate always at the king's table. Now he was lame in both his feet. Let's ask that the Lord would bless his word. Lord God, we come to you reliant uh, fully on your spirit. Open our eyes uh, to see your word for what it is. Help us to, to be blessed, uh, to love you more and more, uh, to, to know this salvation in a more full and amazing way. Uh, Lord, please grant us your grace this evening. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Adoption is one of the most uh, beautiful things that you and I can witness on this earth. A child going from a state of hopelessness and helplessness uh, to being given a family uh, and hope again and joy. And you can look at uh, adoption from many different angles. Uh, you can look at it from the parents uh, who have this child uh, that's being taken away and the grief that goes along with that. Or you can look at it uh, from the side of the parents who are adopting the child, uh, who have hardly even known who this child is and yet shower their love on him. Or you can look at it uh, from the side of the adopted child. Uh, a picture uh, a son uh, whose parents have just uh, died in a car accident. Uh, this child now, uh, this little boy, uh, no longer has a way to provide for himself. Uh, he no longer has a home. He no longer has a way uh, to get to school or, or to even get a job. 
And in that, he's hopeless. Uh, there's no way for him to get out of the situation that he's in. Uh, he, he only can rely on those around him uh, to be blessed. And then, uh, he, this, this child goes from that, that state, uh, to being wrapped up in a couple's arms. And they say, we love you. We want you to be our son. Uh, come, be our son. We, we want you to have joy. Uh, we want to give you hope again. Uh, we want for you to actually be a part of our, our, our family too. Uh, so you're going to have a room. Uh, you're going to sit at our table. We're going to laugh with you. You're going to be a part of our story. Uh, the, the transformation of this child going from hopelessness to, to being a son uh, and given all the privileges that go along with that is a beautiful transformation. And that's what we see here in 2 Samuel 9. A Mephibosheth being transferred, uh, transformed from being a wicked, uh, a useless, helpless guy uh, to now being the son of a king. And we're going to see this transformation through three headings. Uh, first, we're going to see a crippled rival. Then we're going to see the loving verdict. And then we're going to look at the blessed adoption. So 2 Samuel is uh, specifically focused on David. Uh, 1 Samuel ends, or 1 Samuel begins uh, with Samuel, Israel's last judge, and then, it, and then translates into Saul, Israel's first king. And then as 2 Samuel begins, uh, David re David's reign begins. Uh, we see that Jerusalem is the new capital city. Uh, in chapter 7, we see the Lord making a covenant with David. In chapter 8, we see uh, the Lord's kingdom spread out where David uh, has all of these... Um, uh, battles and conquerings that he's having. And now in chapter 9, the story slows down. And we get to look at the internal affairs of David as a king. What is David as a king? Uh, and in chapter 9, we get to see uh, his grace and his love to Mephibosheth. We get to see uh, Mephibosheth transformed by the love of this king through this episode. So we begin with a crippled rival. Unlike the illustration of an innocent child, uh, we begin um, with this crippled rival named Mephibosheth. And it begins with David asking, is there someone, is there anyone out there that I might show this kindness to him? Uh, David has no clue if this man even exists. And not only does he not know who he is, but he doesn't even know if he exists. Unlike Saul, Mephibosheth's grandfather, uh, who was well known, uh, Mephibosheth is an absolute nobody. And not only that, but Mephibosheth is of the house of Saul, which means he's an enemy of David. And not only was Saul continuously always trying to kill David, but, but Saul is the old king and David is the new king. And in this time in history, uh, it, it was well known and a very wise thing that the new king would exterminate the old king's whole family. Uh, so, that, so that the new king and his family were the only people who had a right to the throne. Mephibosheth uh, would have known this too. He would have known that he was the enemy of the king. In 2 Samuel 4.4, uh, 4, after Jonathan and Saul die, um, Mephibosheth's nurse grabs him and runs in fear. Because Jonathan and Saul have just died, David is now going to be king, and David is going to look uh, to kill Mephibosheth. So being of the house of Saul was a, was a terrible sentence for Mephibosheth. In 1 Samuel 13, 14, it is said of the house of Saul that his kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him leader of his people because you, Saul, have not kept the Lord's command. 
Mephibosheth is being condemned by the actions of Saul. And not only that, but in verse 3, we see that he's a cripple. It was in 2 Samuel 4 when the nurse grabs him to flee that the nurse drops Mephibosheth and it cripples both of his legs. And at this time in history, uh, that would have been a sentence of helplessness. Uh, He couldn't make his own money. He couldn't go out in the fields. He couldn't work for the king. He couldn't even be in the army. He had to rely on everyone else for all, uh, for to be fed and for hope day by day. And and it's in this fear uh, that Mephibosheth lives in Lodabar. In verse 4, it says that he lives in Lodabar, uh, which means no pasture. Uh, He's in a barren land because he is fearful of the king. Because he's the king's enemy, uh, he runs to Lodabar, hoping to never be in the presence of the king again. Hiding out in, in absolute fear. And then... In verse 5, we see Mephibosheth's worst nightmare come true. Uh, This worthless enemy, rival, is brought into the king's presence. As As he's been hiding his entire life, now David brings his people to grab Mephibosheth and bring him into his presence. Uh, he surely would have feared for his life. Uh, you can think of uh, like rival drug lords. Uh, this is the last enemy's acquaintance. Uh, that's, that's how Mephibosheth would have feared. There would be nothing that the servants would have said to him that would have convinced him that David was actually bringing him there to show him love. Uh, all he would have had was an immense fear. And it's in this fear uh, that he is brought to David. And so far, this story reminds us a lot of Adam and Eve. Uh, They too were born as princes, kings of God's beautiful creation, uh, born to be kings. And yet in their sin, they're now under condemnation. They're now enemies of the Lord. They're now helpless and hopeless to get out of the situation that they're in. And as they sin, they fear the Lord, so they go and hide. They hide from the Lord, hoping to never be in his presence again, knowing that if they are in his presence, they will surely die. And yet, in Genesis and in our passage today, uh, both people are not met with a death, but are met with a loving verdict. Uh, Mephibosheth bows down to David in fear for his life, uh, thinking these are the last breaths he's going to breathe. And and David says, Mephibosheth. Uh, That's not, uh, he doesn't know his name in order to punish him. Uh, He doesn't say, uh, son of Saul, a wicked enemy. He says, Mephibosheth. Uh, The king knows his name. That That is endearment. That's affection, not punishment. He says, Mephibosheth, do not fear Do not fear, in verse 7, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan, and I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. Please turn in your Bibles to uh, 1 Samuel 20. Uh, Here we'll see the covenant that David and Jonathan make that Mephibosheth is the beneficiary of. Uh, David brings Mephibosheth because of this covenant 
in 1 Samuel 20. And just for some um, background, um, this episode in 1 Samuel 20 uh, is because David is fearing for his life. Uh, David comes to Jonathan and says, "Uh, Jonathan, your father Saul wants to kill me. Can you please protect me? Jonathan says, I don't really think uh, my father wants to kill you. He never told me that he wants to kill you. David says, no, uh, for sure, I know that Saul wants to kill me. So they make this plan. David says, I'm not going to come to dinner. And if the king is uh, happy and is okay that I left, then that's great. Nothing happens. He doesn't want to kill me. But if the king uh, responds in anger that I'm not there, you will know that Saul wanted to kill me. Uh, It'll be proof uh, that my life is at stake. And the second part of this plan is, is how is David going to know how Saul responds? So David's not at the dinner table. Uh, Saul and Jonathan are there. But how is, how is David, who's hiding, going to know how Saul responds? So David, uh, Jonathan says, okay, if it's a good report, if he's not mad, I'll just go and I'll just get you, and, and nothing will happen. But if it's a bad report... I am surely going to tell you, and I will make sure that you get out and escape. I'll make sure you get away. And it's at this point, um, if this is true, if my father Saul wants to kill you, that we read in verse 14 through verse 17. If I am still alive, show me the steadfast love of the Lord that I may not die. And do not cut off your steadfast love from my house forever, when the Lord cuts off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. And Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, May the Lord take vengeance on David's enemies. And Jonathan made David swear again by his love for, uh, by his love for him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. Jonathan is saying, uh, If it is true that my father Saul wants to kill you, and you are the Lord's anointed, Though my father is the king, I know that his plan to kill you will fail because God is on your side, David. You are the Lord's anointed. So if Saul wants to kill you, that makes you, uh, that makes Saul the enemy of the Lord's anointed. And surely the enemy of the Lord's anointed will be destroyed. So if Saul is going to be destroyed, please, if he wants to kill you, please, uh, do not cut off your steadfast love from me. You will have to, you, all of your enemies will be destroyed, but please do not count me as one of your enemies. So they execute the plan, and Saul sh- proves to be very angry and tells Jonathan that he does want to kill David. So Jonathan helps David flee, and now what we have here in 2 Samuel 9 is David upholding his end of the covenant. So David didn't bring Mephibosheth here uh, to kill him or to punish him. David brings Mephibosheth here uh, to show him love because of the love that David and Jonathan had. And he brings him here at this point because as we read in 1 Samuel 20 verse 15, Jonathan says, when the Lord cuts off every one of the enemies, then show me your steadfast love. And in chapter 8, that's exactly what we have just seen. All of David's enemies uh, have been destroyed. His kingdom has just spread out. Uh, He's now in a a time of rest. And it's in this time of rest that that David is now called to follow up on this covenant. So Mephibosheth is brought because of love. 
because of the love that David and Jonathan shared. Uh, It's the same love uh, that many of us know, the word hesed, a loving kindness, a steadfast love. Uh, that's, that's the word used in 1 Samuel 20, and it's the same word used here in 2 Samuel 9 for kindness. Show me that kindness, this hesed. And this is a love that is based in relationships and a faithfulness to that relationship. And it's in this, it's in this love that, that David loved Jonathan more than he loved his own soul that Mephibosheth is brought. This covenant is a sign of the love between David and Jonathan. And it's through the lens of this covenant, it's through this this, um, abounding love that Mephibosheth is brought to the king. So when Mephibosheth bows before David, uh, David sees love and he sees Jonathan. Uh, He doesn't see a worthless enemy, but David sees Jonathan. He sees one that uh, loved him in a real way. He, saw, he sees one that uh, fulfilled his end of the covenant, someone greater. So Mephibosheth, instead of being executed, is given life. How much more uh, do we have today? A covenant of grace with Jesus as our representative, with God as our judge. Jesus died on the cross so that all who come to him in Jesus would come and be able to receive this love and be able to be seen as Jesus in his righteousness rather than our wickedness. There's an open invitation to all who come to God in Jesus. Though crippled and a burden to yourself, though an enemy of God, All are welcomed in Christ. And if you are not in Christ, if you are an unbeliever today, your lot is eternal wrath and punishment. If you never come to the Lord and receive this loving verdict, you will be punished. And right now, you are before the king. His words are being declared. Right now, before the king in his presence... Are you going to run and hide or are you going to bow down and receive this loving verdict in in Jesus Christ? Those who have not yet come uh, to the Savior, Jesus Christ, what is keeping you back? Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ in John 6, 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. If you come to the king today, you will be transformed in a far better, far more amazing way than Mephibosheth was transformed. And yet you have to believe it, and you have to receive this loving verdict. There are two reasons uh, that, I, that I would think of that you wouldn't come and bow to the king this evening. Uh, you've heard the, coven- the covenant. Uh, you know that if you come to the king and Jesus, that you will be received. You will be given this loving verdict. Uh, what, what happens to Mephibosheth will happen to you in an even better way. So there's only two reasons that I would think that you would not come today. First is, uh, you've done something incredibly, so incredibly bad that there's no way that you can stand in the presence of God and think that you would receive a loving verdict. Uh, you are such a wicked sinner Uh, that God would never uh, proclaim this loving verdict on you. 
And to that, God promises that all who come to Christ, one drop of his blood is enough for all of our sins. All who come to to God in Christ will never be cast out. No matter what your sin, God is ready to give you this loving verdict if you are in Jesus Christ. You will be made alive. So it's either that uh, you think you're too sinful, or it's because you love this world so much that if you were to be uh, made a, king, uh, a son of the king, adopted into his family, you'd know that you have, you'd have to start living like a son of the king. Uh, that this life uh, is more important than the kingdom of God. You'd have to put off your sinful deeds and desires. You'd have to stop uh, living with your girlfriend or looking at pornography. You'd have to end friendships um, that are a bad influence on you. Coming to Christ would mean that you'd have to put all of these things off. And yet, here, as we look through um, Mephibosheth, what he's blessed with, here what the sons of God are given as we're adopted into his family, more than anything that is offered in this world. Not only is Mephibosheth given a loving verdict, but all who come to the king are made princes. And if you're an adopted child of the king, these are your blessings. Uh, this are, these are the things that you have been blessed with. So as we look in verse 9, we begin our blessed adoption. First of all, David tells Ziba, give Mephibosheth all that belonged to Saul. All that was in his house. Not just half of it, not just some of it, but give him every blessing. And he will continually, always, be sitting at the king's table. How amazing would have that been for Mephibosheth, giving all of these wonderful blessings. And yet, how much more is it to be the adopted child of God, where Jesus is our all, where we are given all things in Jesus, where we're given life and happiness and joy and blessings, where we no longer have to worry because we're in our Father's hand, where everything happens for our good, where we're never needing something better, we're never running, we are given all things, all the blessings of the Lord as children of the Lord. Not only that, but Mephibosheth is given servants. Uh, all of the blessings that, that David gave to Mephibosheth would have been nothing without the servants. Uh, Mephibosheth was crippled. He couldn't have gone out into the land and, and uh, been able to actually receive the blessings because he was crippled. He couldn't have gone to the king's table uh, because there would be no way for him to get there. All the blessings that Mephibosheth received are only applied and made real to him because of the servants that he's given. He's given these servants so that everything David gave to him can actually be real and can actually be blessings for him. Mephibosheth gets uh, 35 servants plus Ziba. How much better uh, would your life be with 36 servants? Uh, how great would that be if they could uh, make your food, clean your house, uh, make you money? And yet, how much more do we have as adopted children when we have our helper, when we have the helper, when we have the spirit of adoption, the Holy Spirit? Uh, Mephibosheth, in the beginning of the story, 
um, would have never come to King David uh, because he was crippled, so he couldn't have come, and he never would have come uh, because he feared for his life had it not been for David's servants who went out and took Mephibosheth. Uh, It's these servants that in the end uh, make him to receive all the blessings, but it's these servants uh, who bring him into the presence of the king who make him a fall at the knees of David to receive this loving verdict. So with you and I, uh, if you had not loved me first, I would refuse you still. Uh, He takes us from Lodabar, and the Spirit brings us into the presence of the king so that we can receive this loving verdict. The servant uh, brings Mephibosheth, and now it's the same servants uh, that Mephibosheth is able to uh, receive all the blessings that David has given him. So all of the blessings that we receive in Jesus Christ are nothing if we don't have the helper who makes all of these blessings real, who makes us actually enjoy our relationship with God, who makes the word life to us, who makes us actually peaceful, actually trust in Jesus. We are made princes, and we are given the Spirit so that we can receive these blessings and actually enjoy these blessings. What a privilege. And then we see in verse 11 that Mephibosheth ate at David's table always, like one of the king's sons. Uh, David recounts this blessing, um, or David recounts a similar blessing in Psalm 23, verses 5 through 6. There it says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Mephibosheth uh, was made uh, to sit at the king's table. He's given all of the honor and privilege, going from a nobody uh, to being a friend and a child of the king. And so too, through the blood of Jesus Christ, we are made to sit at the Lord's table. Uh, We are anointed with oil. We are made princes. Uh, Mercy and goodness will follow us through all of our days, and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Uh, We get to be in the presence, the true presence of our King. And monthly, uh, we get to experience this uh, through the Lord's Supper. And then in verse 12, we see that Mephibosheth has a young son. Uh, Mephibosheth has a son named Micah, who is like our Lord. That's what Micah means. Who is like Yahweh? Who is like our God who would love me so much that he would see me as a a wicked enemy and now would transform me into being the son of the king? Not only uh, has David not cut off his steadfast love from the house of Jonathan uh, because David showed kindness to Mephibosheth, but the Lord has not cut off his steadfast love from the house of Jonathan in that um, Mephibosheth now has a son. Uh, his his uh, house is continuing. Uh, the blessings that Mephibosheth receives do not end at the death of Mephibosheth. Uh, these blessings are being expanded. Uh, so, uh, you and I, when we are received as children of the king, uh, are given brothers and sisters, uh, children, parents, uh, that we, uh, the blessings that we receive are not just for us, but we get to share these in community. 
Uh, we get to, to spread these blessings around. Uh, we get to enjoy them together. Uh, how amazing is that? Uh, that even today we get to enjoy the blessing of the Word together. Uh, that we get to share in, in, in what the Lord is doing. That we get to share in glorying him, uh, glorifying Him and praising Him. And not only that, but we see that in the end, Mephibosheth moves to Jerusalem. He goes from Lodabar to being in the city of the king, the city of Shalom. So too, when we are made children of the king, we are brought into his kingdom. We are brought into his city of Shalom. And on this earth, in a real way, we are brought into the kingdom. And we will never be able to be attacked um, outside of the Lord's plan while we are in his kingdom. We will never be able to be taken out of his kingdom. We get to share in this rest. We get to share in this shalom. And one day we will be brought into the perfect shalom, into the perfect final rest, where we can enjoy and praise God for eternity. So if you have not yet come to this king, come and receive this loving verdict and be blessed by these amazing blessings. Be blessed by being a son of the king. And if you have received this blessing, let's live it out. Let's live as children of the king. Let's live as those who've been given everything. Let's live as those who've been given the spirit. Let's live as those invited to partake uh, in communion with our Lord. Let's live as those in a community of blessing. And let's live as those uh, who one day get to be brought into heaven for eternity. Let's live as princes of a heavenly kingdom with our eyes on Jesus, praising and thanking him for all he has done. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you this evening and we praise you that you are a loving and merciful God. We praise you that when we come in Jesus, uh, that you don't see us as wicked sinners, uh, but you see us uh, in your love and you see us in Jesus. We are given his righteousness. We are made sons of the king. We thank you for all the privileges that that means. We pray that we would live in that light, Lord. Lord, help us to live as heavenly citizens, sons of the king, Help us to enjoy all of the blessings that go along with that and pray that the Spirit will, would help us to live that out more and more each day. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand as we sing, All I Have is Christ. <clears throat>